0: Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another edition, and this is the Christmas edition of the podcast. I've never done a podcast around Christmas, so (laughs) this is the first one. So um, hang with me, it may take you a little bit uh, to figure out where I'm going with this. But the question I have for you is if you had a magic wand and you could change anything about yourself that would improve your financial and emotional well, well-being, what would it be? What would you wish for? Now, this is a bit of a difficult question, because I'm not talking about changing your financial circumstances, right? Oh, if I could wave a magic wand, I would win the lottery, or I would get a big inheritance, or my employer would triple my salary. That's changing the circumstances, but not ourselves, okay? And there's a big difference, right? That's kind of magical thinking. But all of that could happen, maybe not the the things of chance, if we look deeper into changing ourselves. So I'm talking about changing a behavior, uh, a thought pattern, the way I react to financial challenges or even financial words, emotions that are really intense that maybe Overly intense for the situation. What could you change within yourself that would ultimately change your financial situation or behavior or something that you'd like to change? So, you know, that it, it could be the way that you react under financial pressure. Maybe it's spending patterns, spending habits. Maybe it's decisions that you make. Maybe it's um, a resistance or a reluctant reluctance to understand investing or understand insurances. Or I mean, there's <laughs> an unlimited number of things. So another thing you might want to change would be your self-talk. You know, I'm too stupid to do finances. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. I think almost all of us could find some ingrained behavior or difficult emotion that we would like to modify, improve, that could transform our finances. All right, so assuming you become aware of that, what stops you? You know, we don't need to be geniuses to know that transformation is a big word. Not only is it long, but it's deep, and it means a lot. And transformation is not for the faint-hearted. Here is a quote I recently found that I love. Transformation isn't sweet and bright. It's dark and murky painfully pushing, an unraveling of the untruths that you've carried in your body, a practice in facing your own created demons, a complete uprooting before becoming. And that uh, was a quote by author Victoria Erickson, whose uh, second book is the edge of wonder. I'm going to refer back to this uh, during the, the podcast, because her framing of transformation doesn't sound like something most of us really want to sign up for, right? Dark, murky, painful, unraveling of untruths. That doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. So, I think it's fairly understandable why most of us choose to continue to bear the familiar pain of the present rather than risk the pain of transformation to do something unfamiliar and unknown. Um, easy word for that is it's downright frightening and scary. So, we typically just don't Get up one day and say, I'm up for transformation. <laughs> we typically only undertake transformation when the importance of changing can no longer be avoided or denied or swept under the rug. And probably there's no example of transformation that is more well known at this time of the year than that of Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. So there you go. It took me a little while, um, six minutes, to get to the Christmas theme. And any of you that have followed me for any period of time, I mean, one of the, um, I think it was the second book that I ever uh, co-authored, was uh, The Financial Wisdom. Of Ebenezer Scrooge. And this is a powerful little Christmas fable that has some profound truths that we can learn about the path to transformation. These truths are so profound that it formed the basis of our research, of the first clinical study in financial disorders and and healing financial disorders that, to my knowledge, had ever been done in psychology. I think we did that back in 2009 or so. So it is incredibly powerful. So let's take a, a little look at this particular fable. And I think the first thing that we can learn from this is we usually don't undergo a transformation willingly. I've said this before that uh, yoga teachers have told me that nobody gets into yoga willingly. That usually they come to yoga because of some type of physical issue or injury or something of that sort. And the first time I heard that, I'm like, "Oh, come on! No, that can't be true." <laughs> and I thought about what got me into yoga. Oh, yeah, the fact that when I stood to make a speech, if I stayed in one place for more than 10 minutes and then turned from the podium, I'd be on my knees in pain. Oh yeah, that's right. So Scrooge had no intention of embarking on a journey of transformation when he returned to his home on that Christmas Eve night. He locked his doors up, tended his fire, ate his, I assume, tasteless bowl of gruel, and went to bed. It was the Aberration, the ghost of his old friend and business partner, Jacob Marley, that interrupted his sleep that night and his typical routine with a dire warning that he needed to change things. He needed to do things differently in his life or his end would not be pleasant. Now, here's something that most people don't realize about this story. This wasn't the first time that Marley tried to get his attention. He told Scrooge, why is it tonight that you see me? I've appeared before you, tried to get your attention for many, many years. But Scrooge never saw him, never heard him. But this particular night, he did. And isn't this how interventions work? Isn't this how awakening works? Can you think of times in your life that people have have tried to tell you things, usually people close to us, usually partners and spouses, and we don't hear them. We just brush them off or pretty much oblivious to whatever they're telling us. And then somehow one day, usually coming from somebody else, quite frankly, <laughs> we go home and say, "Hey, I've decided I need to change this, or I need to decide I do this, or I need to decide I, I, I decide I need to exercise or something." And our partner is like, "Really, really? I've been telling you that for years." It's uh, I think there's a saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When well, this case, the teacher had appeared a lot, but the student wasn't ready. So that woke Scrooge up. And Marley gave Scrooge the keys to transformation. He didn't basically say that, but he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be visited by three ghosts. One is the ghost of Christmas past, one is the ghost of Christmas present, and one is the ghost of Christmas future. And he let him know that this process was really incredibly important to him. So the first visit was the visit into his past. I think this is the one that is most difficult and requires the most courage. As the quote from um, Erickson said, it's a dark and murky place. It's an unraveling of truths and a complete uprooting. This is the place of becoming willing to look into the past, to revisit the events in our lives where our strongly held, what we think are truths, and turn out to be delusions, or extreme beliefs, burdens, were formed. And typically, this requires a look, especially with uh, money scripts. You know, back to our childhood, often before we were even ten. Now, Scrooge absolutely did not want to go there. He resisted it. He tried his best to uh, skip over this, and yet his guide, the ghost of Christmas Past, gently turned him toward his past. And I think the word gently is really important here, because uh, this is something that must be approached when we're approaching our past very gently. Bringing objectivity and understanding to these entrenched financial untruths or delusions isn't easy. And I guess I probably should say, when I say untruths, Uh, money scripts are always true in the context in which they were formed, and this is true really with any behavior in IFS terms any burden, but the play changes, the circumstances change, and what used to be a truth becomes false. So that's why we call money scripts partial truths. So rather than uh, focusing on this, most people want to focus instead on the symptom. How do I get more information on how to save, how to invest, how to spend wisely? We try to jump into the present before visiting the past. And visiting the past is typically the last thing that we want to do. Yet what we need most for transformation is the emotional intelligence of the past. What we usually need, most for transformation cannot be learned academically. It can't be learned from a book or usually done by yourself. It typically must be learned emotionally, experientially, and in community or with the the guide of someone else, right? Scrooge didn't jump into the past by himself, he had a guide, which was the ghost of Christmas past. So, I would suggest that if you want to gain the emotional intelligence needed to change your financial behaviors, it's going to require the assistance of a very accomplished financial advisor and probably that of a financial therapist. This is a journey that rarely can be taken by yourself. Now once we've taken that difficult but extremely critical journey into the past where we face our own demons, we are ready to become present and see reality, see today, with brand new clarity. Scrooge was less resistant to looking at the present than the past. It was the one step, he said, that terrified him the most. Once uh, we've gained emotional intelligence, we've got to face replacing our faulty beliefs with accurate, cognitive information about the present. Uh, Scrooge was just blown away about how people viewed him and, (laughs) What was really happening? All that information he couldn't take in until he visited his past. So looking at what is, rather than what we thought is, was, can be really challenging. And this is a place of more unraveling of untruths and uprooting. Here's where we now have the emotional and cognitive bandwidth, right? Because we've gone into the past, we kind of cleared that up. We can now learn about budgeting, debt reduction, investments, other financial skills, things that we've been unwilling to see or told ourselves fables that we, we couldn't see uh, in the past. And changing for good, Pro-Traska, calls this stage of preparation. It's preparing. It's the stage of preparing where we begin to acquire necessary knowledge and take the necessary steps to get ready to act. Scourge's uh, guide, the Ghost of Christmas Present, helped him negotiate the present, obtain the knowledge. Now, our real-world guides in this step can be accountants, attorneys, traditional financial planners, educational books. This is where reading can come in with more knowledge. Workshops, things like this can help us gain accurate financial knowledge. And once we gain that knowledge, we're ready to look into the future to see where our previous delusional decisions were potentially uh, taking us. Like um, the vision that the ghost of Christmas future un- unveiled to Scrooge, the scene is pretty, often pretty harsh. Okay, But because of our preparation, because of our doing the work in the past and the present, we now have the capacity and the tools to enter what Procrasta calls the action phase, going into action. Now we can begin to create a future that's consciously and deliberately planned. We can take control of our money rather than our money controlling us. And uh, again, we can have guides in our lives that help us and guide us into that. Our our financial planners, therapists, financial mentors, people that are there who really want to support us. And yes, they are there. There are people there that you can trust and who really want to help you. The key, of course, is finding them. So it's in the future where a lot of us try to shortcut the transformation process by starting there, right? But again, without taking those critical steps of viewing the past and learning what's in the present, we often lose heart. We try to force and manipulate changes in the future that just don't work. So this is why those uh, resolutions, New Year's resolutions, for financial change often fail. We start with the future. We're looking to a new year. It isn't because what we want to do is bad or unattainable, but we're just unprepared to be at the action step. Those action steps in the um, in the change formula is is we start with pre-contemplation, then we wake up, we get out of the start contemplating things, then we start to get ready to change, and then only in the action step, in the stages of change do we change. So I think what, what's so interesting with the Christmas Carol is who Scrooge became. You know, when somebody calls you a Scrooge, most people get offended, right? Because 98% of folks have the Scrooge at the beginning of the book in their mind, not the Scrooge at the end of the book. Where did we leave Scrooge? We left Scrooge a transformed person. The end product of his difficult journey, and oh, how I would wish we could do this in a night, right? Was a person full of joy, generosity, and spirit. I mean, he experienced this transformation because he did have courage, and he did have conviction to trust those guides. I mean, think about it. What? did this once miserable millionaire become when he woke up on the first day of his new life to discover that it was still christmas morning well think about the actions he did i mean first he ordered the they called him a polterer back in the day that was a i guess it was a foul butcher right He ordered the largest prized turkey that he had to be sent to the home of his clerk, Bob Cratchit, for Christmas dinner. He gave a generous tip to the boy who carried the message. He went out to walk in the streets, uh, looking for connection, exchanging warm greetings with people that he met. He promised a generous gift to a charity whose representatives he turned away the day before with uh, pretty harsh words. He went to church. He went to his nephew's house for Christmas dinner, asking rather timidly, would you let me in, Fred? Even though he had curtly refused Fred's invitation the previous day to come to Christmas dinner. And he received a warm welcome from Fred and his family, and then participated fully in the day's festivities. He increased Bob Cratchit's salary. He began to treat him as a respected employee. He began to use his resources to live more comfortably. He became a second father to Tiny Tim. And his transformation was recognized by the whole city, meaning the city of London. So, this is kind of an interesting list, right? I mean, quite a transformation. Certainly, after his visits from the spirits, he spent more money than he had done before, both during the holidays and during the rest of the year. And you could say it was money that he could well afford to spend that uh, it was just piling up in the past because he didn't spend much. But nowhere in A Christmas Carol does it say that the Scrooge took uh, his credit card to the mall and went into debt to buy Tiny Tim the latest video games or get the cratches of the big screen TV. Okay, how did he spend his money? The most important elements in The life of the transformed Scrooge were charity, spirituality, and, above all, friends and family. Connection became so important to him. And he was spending his money to foster that connection. He mended his relationship with his nephew. He became a friend and a mentor to Bob Cratchit and his family took steps to help people in need and began to welcome people into his life instead of pushing them away. As Dickens put it, he became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew. Remember, our money is to support finding meaning in life. Money is not meaning in life. Money does not give us meaning, but money does support our quest for meaning. So, maybe uh, this Christmas season, you can ponder giving yourself the gift of a financial transformation. But it's a gift that must come from within. It's a gift that you must be willing to receive but it's a gift that uh, can give far more than one day or one week. It's a a gift that can be yours for a lifetime. So I am uh, wishing you and your family and your loved ones a wonderful holiday season. Thank you so much for letting me in and being a part of your life with this podcast. And I look forward to uh, continuing to share with you into uh, the new year. So, as Tiny Tim said, God bless us, everyone. Take care. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.